On this week's episode of Pre-Med Possibilities, I talked with Dr. David Emmert, a family practice doctor who works out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so my first question is just kind of before you went to college, did you have any idea about being a doctor? Was that anywhere in your mind or were you just kind of, you know, I'm going to college, go to college and I'll figure it out when I get there? Yeah, I kind of feel like it was preordained for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean that in a negative way, but my mom um, was a nurse when she was working. Um, And so I was exposed to the medical world pretty, you know, intimately and and familiarly. And then my dad um, uh, used to work as an Episcopalian priest. And so Mm -hmm. he did a lot of counseling um, as part of that. And, and so, you know, if you if you combine those two, um, you, <laughs> you you kind of get uh, medicine. And right. so I I didn't really have much of an imagination when I when I thought of myself, you know, working. It was some combination of those two things. And and I guess I was fairly bright, you know, growing up and and did okay in in school, you know, so there was never a question of like, well, could I get into medical school? Everybody just sort of assumed, oh, yeah, that's probably what you'll do. And I was comfortable Mm -hmm. with that because I, I'm, I'm a relatively anxious person and I don't like the idea of uh, not knowing um, Mm -hmm. what I'm I'm going to be doing. So, so I always kind of glommed onto that idea because it made me feel a little bit better about, you know, what was going to happen in the future. Right. And so I guess, so going through college, you felt, you know, comfortable with all the pre-med requirements and doing all of that. How was it balancing that and like having friends and doing other things when you were at college? Okay. So here's where I had a little detour. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, it was miserable. I hated my pre-med classes. I mean, okay. just hated them. I, you know, I had this idea that I was going to learn about humans. Right. Uh, and, and that's, that's, you may not know this, but uh, that's not what pre-med classes are all about. Right? Oh, no, I'm, I'm thinking, I took chemistry last year, my freshman year, and I was like, there is nothing, nothing here. This is one of the requirements. I was like, whoa. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's it's more and looking back, like I understand it. I understand what the point of those classes is and it's it's really to indoctrinate you, you know, into a, a scientific way of thinking. I mean, we you know, physicians approach uh you know, life um problems from a scientific perspective and you learn right. to do that by spending a lot of time doing science and and that's okay, you know, but I, I didn't know that going in. And so when I got into chemistry and then, uh, and, and as you know, I, I went to school with your dad at Princeton. Yep. Uh, great, you know, a great school, but these were big classes. There were a lot of people at Princeton who, uh, were doing pre-med and they were taught by professors who knew very well that most of the people in those classes were not interested in their brand of science, right? We were just taking a requirement. Yeah. And 
Uh, so they didn't think we were invested in them um, and their interests, and they were right. Um, if, for example, the, the guy who taught us biology was the world's foremost expert in slime molds. Oh, my God. Which, wow. To be honest, are are fascinating creatures. Um, yeah. But not to somebody who's just checking a box, right? On yeah. our way to on our way to medical school, and he yeah. spent a long, long time trying to convince us that that maybe you know uh, this was the this was the kind of organism we wanted to um, get into. So so it that was hard. It was really hard, and and um, I almost felt to some degree like that that those teachers had an almost adversarial um, relationship uh, with the students. And part of that was we were separated from them, you know, because most of the things were didactic and then you had the labs, but you never saw the professors there. Anyway, it was not a good academic experience. And I really did not do well in some of those classes. I mean, I passed them, (laughs) but I got the worst grades I'd ever gotten. And it made me kind of think, you know, I really don't enjoy this. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I ended up majoring um, in psychology, uh, which was a blessing because at least then we were talking about humans, right? And so that, yeah. Because, yeah, so I'm thinking about majoring in psychology. um, And I've had yet to talk to a doctor who majored in psychology. So I'm interested to hear kind of how that was for you. Oh, it's fantastic. I loved it, loved it, loved it. At least this was kind of applied basic science, right? Okay, well, maybe it's not the hard science, right? The the social soft science, but (laughs) it was people and it was understanding how things, how things work. And, Mm -hmm. and honestly, at least in my specialty, which is family medicine, um, it, I use it every day, right? Yeah, sure. uh, and, I, and I bet most, I mean, unless you're a radiologist uh, or a pathologist, you probably use it. Mo- most doctors would use it every day. It's fantastic. Yeah. Now, you know, I think probably a lot of people don't major in it because they're afraid that medical schools, you know, are are not going to treat that with the same respect they might treat biology or science, you know, chemistry or something yeah. like that. But yeah. um, I don't, I don't think that that's true. And in fact, I think having an offbeat um, major is probably a, a, a major uh, advantage when you're applying to yeah. medical schools and residencies. Right. Um, but but we can come back to that. I I loved I loved psychology and it got me. It kind of reassured me that that you know that science and medicine was still probably on the table uh, for something I'd want to do. Gotcha. Yeah, that's definitely that was my experience of chemistry last year. Kind of having that. Oh my gosh, this isn't what I was thinking of and I took intro to psychology over J term and then I'm taking developmental psychology right now, which I love. And so it's definitely like a reassuring type of class to know, okay, this is something I really am interested in. Oh yeah. Totally applicable, you know, and, and I thought really useful later on. Um, and maybe not so much for like the, like the first two years of classes, like they're mm-hmm. not going to help you do better in, microbiology or, right. you know, pharmacopathology or what, you know, whatever we have in, in medical school now, but, yeah. um, but really helps you, you know, when you're rotating, when you're doing rotations in medical school and in, in, uh, uh in residency. So I, I love that. Um, 
at Princeton, you get to do a, a, a senior thesis. I don't know whether you right. guys get to do that. Love that. Yeah, I created can. my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I found that to be really a lot of fun. Um, I created a, a study. My, my thesis advisor was trying to figure out kind of when and how gender development or gender differences in depression develop mm-hmm. because adults, in adults, women are depressed about twice the frequent, the incidence about twice as much as, as men. Um, right. And, and yet as kids, uh, that's not true. It's about the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question was, when does that happen? And, and might that, you know, inform theories of, of, you know, kind of why depression occurs and, and maybe how we can, you know, intercede and do something about it. And so I, I created a, a survey study that, uh, and went into local schools and was kind of able to pin it down for them, um, you know, when that gender difference began, which was kind of fun. I mean, guess what? It happens at puberty. Right. Um, and and whether that has, you know, there's some physiologic reason for that or, or sociologic, I, I wasn't able to determine that. But, but it was kind of cool because that was like research that nobody had ever done. And I was able to answer a question uh, that was helpful yeah. for people. Um, so that was also a really good experience. Yeah, that's great. And then, yeah, then I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved psychology so much and I hated the sciences so much. I was sort of stuck. I okay. wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do. Uh, maybe I just wanted to go into psychology, you know, maybe I wanted to counsel people that way or, mm-hmm. you know, work in a, I don't know. I didn't know what to, what the business was like. You know, maybe I wanted to work yeah. in a psychiatric hospital. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. And so rather than commit to, you know, spending a lot of money in medical school, I actually yep. took a little bit of time off uh, mm-hmm. after after I graduated. And so I worked in a psychiatric hospital um, for a year. And how was that? And <laughs> it didn't take me long to realize what the pecking order in a psych hospital was and that mm-hmm. if I wanted to make decisions and, and treat people the way I wanted to treat them, that... Yep. I needed, I needed to be the doctor. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so, so it was really helpful. Honestly, it told me exactly what I wanted to do. And the other thing was, it told me, oh my gosh, I love school. There I was, yeah. you know, out of college working with adults, you know, in their thirties and forties. And this was what they were doing. Like, yeah. And it was a kind of a rude uh, awakening. Um, right. And Yeah. So it was helpful. I, you know, I, I came out of that experience, you know, recommending to people that if they have any doubts or questions, or even if they just are not quite ready, you know, it makes absolute sense to take a little bit of time uh, and work, um, you know, so, so that you have a good sense. So, you know, you have an, you know, unimpeachable <laughs> desire yeah. uh, to go to, to go to medical school. And Absolutely. You get there. And if it's, not what you expected it to be and it's not at all what you thought you were going to enjoy then you can say okay great like i i had this didn't enjoy it uh now i'm going back yeah that's right and and you know what i thought was at the time um i know this is going to be hard 
if I go to medical school and then residency, that's going to be a long time, you know, and it's going to be, there are going to be times when I am not going to be so sure that I made the right decision. You're going to be questioning everything. Like, what am I doing here? Uh, And I thought doing that job and making that decision, at least I can look back and say, look, this wasn't a blind choice. You know, I didn't just follow um, that path the whole way. And I, uh, you know, I made this decision and I can look back on that and know with some confidence that this was the right, the right way to go. Yeah. So you spent one year at this, um, working at the, uh, psychiatric institution. And then did you kind of, after that, after that was done, did you say, okay, now I'm going to try and look at medical school now, or did you spend a little more time off or what happened then? So I knew within two or three months of working Got, there, okay. what I wanted, what I wanted to do, you know, it was, yeah. it was really clear, starkly clear. So, yeah. um, immediately I enrolled, uh, to take, I hadn't taken the MCAT. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I enrolled to do that. I think that was late fall, I want to say. Um, and so I spent, you know, the, the early fall kind of studying for that and I did okay there. Um, yeah. And, I haven't and then, talked to anyone about yeah. how the MCATs were, but how was the studying and the preparing and taking the, the MCAT? How was that for you? You know, I should have been more nervous than I was. Um, I just didn't know. And I, I got a preparation book on my own. I'm all by right. myself. I I actually, this is this was my job was I worked nights in the, the psych hospital on a crisis unit for adolescents okay. and kids. And yep. of course, like 99% of the time they're asleep. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just there in case something bad happens. That's what the 1% right. of the time, you know, you, you've got to deal with somebody who's not doing well, but, right. but most of the time I could sit there and study. And so I did. Right. And I just went through yeah. the book and I guess it was an okay book. Um, I should have been nervous because, you know, I didn't get awesome grades in my pre-med classes. Um, but, uh, I wasn't, and I was, I knew I was a pretty good test taker and I just, you know, trusted in that and went in and, um, I, I was, you know, I guess these days you'd have some sort of, you know, you'd have some sort of class, right. You'd, yeah, or tutorial, like right. Like you, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I totally would, except this was part of my odyssey was I decided when I did this job. I was just going to go off in the world somewhere. I didn't know anyone and -hmm. get this job and work and live on my own and like make my way, you know? So so that was cool. And to me, that seemed like a romantic, awesome, like, Oh, I'm going to have some stories kind of a, a year to spend. Um, It, it turned out that it's just hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And um, and I didn't have anybody to talk to or ask, um, you know, uh, for for advice. So I just got this right. book and I read the book and I signed up for the test and I went in and I was so nervous um, for the test. I and this is sort of weird to say I, I had my pants on backwards um, oh my gosh. and I couldn't I, I didn't have a I, it was I mean going to the bathroom was, was an experience. It was very strange. So I was clearly anxious about the whole thing, but I was so wrapped up in it, you know, that I wasn't really even paying attention. Anyway, it went well. (laughs) Thank you. 
it went well. And so I knew that I couldn't really get to, um, you know, uh, uh, apply and get in that year. I needed to kind of take an extra year to do that, but I was all set up to get ready to do that. Um, for the next year. I just, I didn't have time to kind of get the applications together and everything. Right. So I finished out, I finished out that year uh, and then moved home. Um, and so where and, were you from and then where did you move to have your independent area? Yeah. So, so I grew up in Virginia beach, uh, Virginia. Okay. And so going North to Princeton was sort of already six hours away. Um, right. And I went, I went an hour north from there into North um, New Jersey, Northern New Jersey. Um, okay. At, f- randomly, that was really just a random thing, and so I moved home um, to Virginia Beach, and my uh, I was able to get a job in a lab there mm-hmm. for the for the na- for the Navy. Interestingly, I was a civilian, but I worked for the Navy, um, mm-hmm. and I I helped investigators uh, there kind of run their experiments. And I thought vaguely, hey, that'll look good to medical schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, cause I didn't have was, any lab experience prior to that. Uh, it was all right. I, I can't say that I was not really, all I did was run the lab. Like okay. I made sure they had the, um, the equipment they needed, the supplies they yeah. needed. And I, I just kind of hung out and did what they needed me to do. But, I, yeah. you know, it's not like I got to co-author a study or anything. Gotcha. Um, it was it was a pretty low-key event, but that's okay because, hey, it was during the day. And yeah. instead of having to stay up all night like I did the year right. before, I was able to sleep at night. And I loved that. Yeah. So that was really You're great. like, I honestly, I'll take the sleep. I, I'll take the sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And. And, you know, in Virginia Beach, it's not like there are a lot of academic uh, centers where, you know, you could you could get a lab job or a postdoc and, and or a post, you know, whatever. Um, right. So I, I was happy with that. And, and um, the other thing that I had done on my year up in New Jersey was I, I met the woman um, who eventually became my wife. And um, she also worked at the psych hospital and was kind of tired of it and moved yep. down to Virginia Beach. Um kind of with me, um, at the end of that year. And so that was kind of fun. And that pre-med, pre-medical school year, um, I worked in the lab and, um, we ended up deciding to get married and we got married. And this is insane because, well, I look back and I think that, you know, somebody was looking out for me because I was way too young. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I was, I hadn't been two years out of college yet. Um, and, uh, but it just seemed right. And we were, you know, I was, go, I, I was assuming I was going to go to medical school and I didn't really want to be distracted. And so I figured, huh, Hey, that'd be great. We'll go to medical school together. Yeah. Um, she is not in medicine. She, mm-hmm. uh, is, she was a bookkeeper. <laughs> okay. Um, but but she was able to work through medical school and that helped support us. Um, so that was cool. Right. So so that was the year I was applying to medical schools and I did not apply to a lot of schools. Um, I was going to say, what was your process for applications? Did you kind of know 
what schools you wanted to go to or areas you wanted to be in? How did that work? Okay, so the one thing you know about me and your dad is that we sing, right? We sing yeah. together? Yep. Um, and so one of the things when I was going to medicine was I wonder if I could be like that could like I could be a doctor for singers because right. look, there weren't any medical people other than my mom in my family. I don't have any access. I don't know what medicine is like at all. And so I have this very simplistic view of like what medicine is. And I'm thinking, yeah. hey, that would be cool. Like I know voices. That would be something I could do. So yeah. I started thinking about that, and um, for some reason, I got hooked on the idea of going to Jefferson Medical School in Philadelphia, uh-huh. um, because they actually offered, I mean, they have a, a residency in ENT and, and vocal pathology or whatever. Um, so it's sort of like looking at that. And then, and then the other thing was, I don't know, I, you know, I had a family doctor growing up. And, and when I was thinking of doctors, I mean, that was my model. You know, I was thinking yeah. I like the romantic kind of image of a family doctor. I just think that yeah. to be to be that uh, to people is probably something I'd like. So I was thinking either super specialized in a, you know, kind of crazy narrow niche of ENT or be the most general kind of physician I can be. And so I, um, because I was living in Virginia, I applied to University of Virginia, which yep. um, was, was in state. And yeah, I have to say, it, exactly, uh, was dirt cheap. I mean, and, and I don't mean to make it sound like it was super cheap, but Jefferson at the time was $35,000 a year for tuition. Right. Um, and Virginia was eighty nine hundred. Oh, oh my gosh! Right, um, eighty nine hundred right per there. year. I, yeah, you think about that, and you're like, how do they? Uh, I don't think it's that. <laughs> now it's a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it's not that cheap. Um, yeah. I'm sure I mean, you, even, probably, you probably still get like in state tuition, which is still amazing. Yeah, but we're yeah, it's not like that kind of a bargain anymore. So yeah, um, so I could, you know, so I got I I applied to both of those schools, right? And I pitched myself I, because I had to. I looked at my academic record, and I knew I had to have a story. You know, I had to have an explanation for why it looked like I was a terrible student. <laughs> in pre-med classes right. and yet thought I could go to medical school. Right. And right. so, so I told them what I told you, you know, I, yeah. that, that, you know, my, I thought that my gifts were interpersonal and yeah. um, that, you know, my, my interest was, um, was kind of learning everything I could about humans and not right. so much uh, about slime molds. And yeah, I can't. Uh, apparently, they bought it, um, sure. uh, which I'm still. You know, as I look back, I think I kind of blundered into having a fairly good amount of experience outside of college because I took right. those, you know, those years off. Right, worked yeah. in a lab for a year. I worked in a hospital for a year. Yeah. Um. So, and I. 
I, I can't say that I received any advice to do that. I think that was a time where most people were going directly from college into medical school. And, right. and the way I did it was a little bit unusual. Um, so, uh, you know, looking back, I guess, I, I don't know if I was lucky or I really had some sort of overall plan, but I, I think that those things probably led to my getting in. And it, frankly, you know, it doesn't hurt to go to a, a well-recognized undergrad institution. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that made a difference too. There's a, there is a certain amount of privilege that goes with that, right? Right. <sighs> so, yeah. Okay. So, so you got I'm in into, medical school. Yeah, you're in medical school. I got school. into both. So you, you, okay, I was going to ask. So you got into Jefferson and UVA. How did you decide which one? Yeah, you know, essentially it was money. <laughs> yeah. I... I mean, I think if it had been close, I would have had another question. But also, you know, even though it was sort of interesting to explore the idea of of a subspecialty in surgery, what I realized was that if I went to Jefferson and had that much debt, I was really only going to be able to, to, to do that kind of job, right? I would yeah. not have the ability to go into primary care if that truly was my passion and my calling. Right. Uh, but if I went to UVA, I would not have that kind of debt. And if I yeah. still wanted to go into ENT and do something like that, I would have yeah. all of my options open. I would be able to do yeah. that. And so I, I think, you know, that was kind of the clincher is that not that I didn't, I mean, I would have been okay taking on the debt. Doctors figure it out eventually, but I, um, I just felt like this gave me, you know, the most flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. So your first year at UVA, and so I just, I'm trying to think, I know my dad also went to UVA. So did you guys overlap at all when you guys were both there? I think two years. So, okay. and I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think he took four years off yeah. uh, and I only took two years off. Right. Yeah. Yep. I think some of that. Yeah. Okay. I, so you guys have known each other, and then so you got you got to UVA, you got to take more more human biology medicine classes, and how were those for you? Uh, it was fine. It was fine. It's it's totally different, you know. I mean, now these are professors who know you're going to be a doctor and want you to be the best doctor you can be. Yeah. Right. So they're on your side. Um, you're with a whole bunch of other people who are about to take this journey. Um, and, and it's fun from day one, we marched right into the, um, anatomy lab with real cadavers. Yeah. And so, and, you know, so the anatomy that we're studying, you know, well, it's a person <laughs> yeah. and the, all of the, you know, the micro and everything else, it's all people. That's all yep. it is. So I had no trouble at all focusing in on that and um, and did well. Now, I, I have to say, I was a little unprepared with the pace and the volume of okay. learning in medical school. Um, did it, it picked up a lot more than it had in college? Uh, yeah, dramatically, yeah. by leaps and bounds. So, and, and most, I think most smart kids can identify with the idea that, like, in high school, I never studied at all. 
Right. I mean, not at all. If I had homework, I'd do it in class. You know, yeah. I'd have everything done. I had, I basically didn't do much at all at home. Um, in college, you know, you have classes, but the majority of your time is not in class. So yeah. you still have plenty of time to hang out. Even if you have to work hard, you still have right. plenty of time, plenty of discretionary time. That was um, not the case in medical okay. school where you are a professional student, you know? And yeah. I loved what I was learning, um, but I felt like it was like, you know, people talk about like trying to drink from a fire hose. Okay. Um, that's a little bit like that. that. I think scary. what that, yeah, yeah. So it's just so much so fast. And then I think what I didn't realize was memorize, memorize, memorize. A lot of this was memorized. You know, this was not like high concept stuff. This wasn't complicated. Right. It was, you've got to lo- learn you know, the, the, all of the arteries that come off of this artery and, and you got to know it by tomorrow, you know? And, um, so, and then (laughs) after a week and a half of doing that, you've got to forget it all. And now you've got to move on to a different system, you know, or different part of the body because Uh now you've got to memorize a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. So So you had learned that was super important a week ago that's going to take up too much space in your brain. Learn this new thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's memory. So I imagined I w- I loved what I was learning. It was like eating my favorite food. It was mm-hmm. like at that point, probably cheesecake. Would Yep. I would <laughs> um, Vanilla or chocolate. But cheese. then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go. That's tough. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm good vanilla or chocolate, I think, either one. Yeah, either one. I don't know. I think either one. I think for cheesecake, I'm probably a purist. I'd go. Well, anyway. Um, yep. But but then at, at a week and a half in, you have to you have to empty your stomach and go again. It's like um, I think the best description I would have is like academic bulimia, right? Okay. So you binge, 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 and then you purge. Yeah. So that you can binge again. And it's, oh my gosh. God, it doesn't sound healthy, but, but it's okay. Cause everyone's doing it with you, you know? Okay. So there's that, like, and you know, we're all in this together. Yeah. Right. We're all doing it. We've all got our mnemonics together. We're all learning it. We're pouring through it. We're quizzing each other. It's very cool. It's fun. Yeah. And it's what you wanted to be doing. So you're okay. And at that point I was kind of past the worrying about grades and whatever, um, yeah. you know, the, the thing, the, the saying that everybody has in medical school is, you know, what, what do you call the guy who graduates last in, in your medical school class? The answer doctor. is doctor, right? Yeah. yeah. So like it, it didn't matter that much to me. Um, yeah. So the pressure, I felt like the pressure was, was kind of off. But, and how did um, you so, get used to drinking out of the fire hose, like the fire hydrant, like starting off with clearly an adjustment, but just working with other people, kind of shifting your studying habits. How did you work with that? Yeah. I mean, my, my situation was a little different because I was a newlywed. Yeah. Um, so I would do most of my studying at home, but you okay. know, you still get together with folks before tests and kind of pour over things. I was a right. maniac 
with my notes and yep. my highlighters and my colored pencils. Oh, yeah. And um, I had, you know, ways of uh, basically, I think my favorite study method was, was memorizing what the page looked like. Uh, and, okay. and now that I think back on that, I think, how did I do that? But yeah, um, you go over it enough that in the test, like in my head, I'm imagining what the page looked like. And what was that word wow. down there? Um, but, but you get pretty good at learning how to, to binge and purge. And yeah. um, I think you kind of train your brain to do that. Uh, and and I, I would think, you know, that some people are probably naturally better at that than others. And I, I don't think right. that I had any special gift that way. Like, I don't have some sort of photographic memory. But you just, you know, you try to learn. And, and that ended up being kind of the way I made my way through. Um, Absolutely. It turns out that what's cool about that whole process is that in our medical school, the first year was all normal stuff, okay? It was okay. like, you know, anatomy, physiology, da 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 micro. And then yep. second year was like what happened when the body failed, right? Pathology, okay. um, yeah. all the illnesses. And so through that year, you kind of go back. And you learn a lot of the same stuff that you learned the year before, right? So now you're learning it again, but you're learning it in a in a different way. You know, you're applying okay. like it in a different way. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And and then what happens after that is you study for the boards, the first part yep. of the boards after your second year. And guess what? You learn it all again. Um, yeah. And then third year, you're on a rotation. And I was you keep say, getting how asked questions. Yeah. Uh, they were they were terrifying. Um, okay. You know, and and probably not because University of Virginia is a terrifying place to go, but just because you want to do your best, and suddenly you're yeah. you're wearing you're wearing a white coat, and you're in a hospital, right. and there's sick people, and you want to impress people, and yeah, um, it was uh, that was a whole other challenge you know but and how so how often the, were your rotations and what area were you in the hospital yeah so i think every uh, i would say most of them were month by month right so you'd, you'd spend a month doing ob somewhere and you do a month you know being in internal medicine and a month doing peds and within that month you know everything had a different um rhythm to it in mm -hmm. surgery we had to be on call every other night, um, okay. which is crazy. But yeah. being on call for a medical student is a little different than being on call for a resident um, who is actually doing most of the work. Um, right. It's not. It's not nearly quite as bad. Um, we um, we would, you know, be told to. Like, you know, you'd come, basically you'd be assigned a, a, a patient who had a problem, right? And it might be the first time you're seeing a patient with pneumonia. Right. And so your resident or your attending would say, you go spend a couple of hours learning everything you can about pneumonia and then come back and I'll quiz you on it. Okay. Um, and so you do. And a lot of what you do as a medical student is you're kind of on the, you know, on the 
floor taking care of patients, but really you're not taking care of patients. You're learning from the patients. Um, right. And hopefully if, if they're kind, they're kind of putting up with you and you're, yeah. and you're kind of aimless questions and, um, uh, and the fact that you probably aren't going to help very much, but you right. have time and you, you spend it talking to, it's, it's kind of fun to interview patients. Um, they usually like talking about themselves. Um, yep. that probably helped with like the psychology major from college. That was nice. A little bit. Yeah. I think that was the first time that, you know, I realized that it was, you know, probably pretty helpful, but so I had an internal medicine rotation where I had this person who came in during the evening before the resident told me to get out of there. Um, and I, uh, we, we did labs and the, the resident said, okay, tomorrow when we all meet up with the attending and the whole team, you're going to present this patient. And oh, wow. I was okay. really stressed about that, right? I'd seen yeah. residents present and they were confident and they were, it seemed like they knew everything. Um, of course, you know, later you find out, um, Looking back, yeah. no, not so much, but, um, but so I didn't know how to approach doing that. I read everything I could. I stayed up almost all night long preparing. I even memorized all the patient's lab results. Oh my and so I walked in there the next morning, completely bleary eyed, but yeah. revved up on as much caffeine as I possibly could have. Yep. And they said, so tell us about this patient. And so I had my little spiel rehearsed and I ran down the, the lab chemistries by heart and God. the residents all were kind of staring at me like with their mouths open, like <laughs> what, what is this freak <laughs> <Yeah>. doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, why would you ever spend time just memorizing lab results? Yeah. And so that was a good learning process. Nobody called me on it at the minute, at that moment, but later on, you know, it was obvious. Um, I mean, look, if you've got to err on the side of, of trying to learn too much and prepare too much and not enough, I think I went the right direction, but yeah, um, absolutely. I, ne I never did that again. And part of that, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, you just, you don't know. And so you, you know, you, you kind of learn the, the process and what it's like to talk to right. residents and what it's like to talk to attending doctors and, um, boy, there's a lot to learn, but, uh, yeah. but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed all of my rotations. I, I think, you know, as you're going through classes and then you go through your rotations, you start to get a sense of what kind of person you match up well with. Right. So yeah. you meet this, you meet the surgeons and you kind of see how they treat patients and, you know, what their interests are. And then you meet, you know, the, the gynecology team and, and then, you know, so, so you go through all of that and you start to identify a little bit with the people that you're seeing. And what became evident to me was that the nicest people that I ran into by far both in terms of how they treated each other and how they treated patients were the family medicine uh, staff, both in terms of the attendings. They were so nice and great teachers and the, and the residents. And, you know, I, it, it's a really good residency program and they had a great teaching program, but um, they seem to value people in a way that, you know, I had been brought up to value people. Um, and, it became really obvious to me that if I wanted to practice medicine, 
that that's probably how I would be happiest. Gotcha. And so this was, is this your third year of medical school going into your fourth or is this your? Yes. Right. So by the end of third, third year where you do all the required stuff, um, I, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on it. And so what you do fourth year was, um, you know, some electives. So you could do the ones that kind of sounded good or that you had an interest in, but weren't sure about. And, and, um, the ones that sounded easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so you make some choices. I, I, at that point, like I did a student health rotation, um, which was really cool and had to do with a lot of, um, honestly, it was like student um, uh, GYN, like okay. doing pel- pelvic exams on UVA students. And it was all yeah. like, uh, you know, birth control. And, yeah. um, something, something I have to say, I knew nothing about when I started right. and it was really, really helpful, um, to learn that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so that was good, but I don't know that any of the electives really changed my mind. Um, they kind of solidified it, I suppose. Um, gotcha. And so, so you, so you did the, spe- you did the more specifics your fourth year and then how did you, how was the matching process? How was the looking into residencies, finding which ones worked for you? How was that? Yeah. So, so then again, like I am not the typical single medical student at this point. Yeah. I have a wife. She is from New Jersey, yep. not from Virginia. And so when we started looking at family practice residencies, we looked up and down the East coast and realized First of all, weirdly enough, beneath but below the Mason-Dixon line, um, family practice residencies paid very poorly. So, in Virginia, where I was from, you couldn't get paid. Get this, more than twenty-nine thousand dollars a year to be a wow. resident. Um, now, as a medical student, remember you are paying to to work, right? I mean, to me, twenty nine thousand sounded a lot better than paying them, you know, ten thousand or whatever. But um, when we looked north in uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey, uh, most of the uh, salaries were a little higher, like thirty six to forty thousand, which now sounds, you know, not that great for being a doctor, but um, it, it was it wasn't bad back then. Um, and then the other thing was she didn't want to be as far south. She right. she really thought Virginia was the deep south. Um, she she couldn't stand the fact, for example, when you went shopping, that people in the in line with you just you know kind of wanted to talk. Um, and the cashier, <laughs> was not, you know, was not was kind of yeah, just kind of slowly, you know. So what you know? How how's your day? And and yeah. uh, she she couldn't get um, past that being from yeah. being a, a New Jersey. Um, person. So we needed to move north. Um, and so we decided that Lancaster PA was probably a, a good place to be. It's, it was kind of in the middle. It was no man's land. Um, and it happened to be one of the top uh, programs on the on the East Coast. Um, and yeah, so and I thought that sounded cool. I, all I knew of Lancaster was, you know, it's kind of Amish country. And I thought, yep, that sounds interesting. 
Um, and how was the interview process with them? Did you do interviews in, in person and go visit and liked what you saw? I did. Yeah, I interviewed maybe eight or nine programs um, mm-hmm. because I we really did not know where we wanted to be. Um, and uh, and it was a good experience, except for one moment. There was uh, it turned out there was a snowstorm uh, in mm-hmm. January of 1996. Um about three feet of snow fell in southeastern Pennsylvania, wow. um, which was a day before I was supposed to interview uh, in Lancaster. And we had gone up to, to stay with her sister in Philadelphia and got snowed in there for a week. Um, oh, wow. So I we had to, a long time. Had to tur- turn around and come back home and then reschedule it. But um, yeah. everything else went really well. It was good. I mean, um, people were telling me, you know, look out. You know, in, in Lancaster, they work you really hard. You do everything. You are the only residency in the hospital. Now, okay. that's a difference. When you're looking at residency programs, you can be in an academic center where there might be eight different residency programs or 20 different residency programs, or you can be in a community hospital where you might be the only, the only show in town, you know. And right. for family practice, it's pretty good to be the only show in town. Uh, right. So you can, yeah, you can learn everything. Um, uh, so, so I was, I was into it, you know, and, and frankly, UVA is kind of thought of as being a, a cushy medical school. Uh Um, like, well, most places you have to start your own IVs, not at UVA. They have an IV team. And as a medical student, you just call the IV team. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that, you know, you learn how to do, but you don't do. Okay. And so going into so, your residency, you had to do it for the first time. Yeah, right. Had to do it. But I was kind of hungry for that. Like I knew that that was kind of a deficit. I needed yeah. to do it and I was never going to have a better opportunity. Yeah. You're like, so, I don't want to call the IV team. I want to put the IV in myself now. I need to know how, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we moved up here and started doing that. In the first couple of days of residency, you learn how to do um, – you do basic life support, right? And then you do ACLS, and then you learn how to do um, advanced trauma life support, and then you learn how to do it for OB and pediatrics. And, like, your first orientation week is just – you feel like you could do anything. Like, you could take yeah. care of any emergency at all. Right. Um and and then my first rotation, the first day of residency, uh, I I was sent up to the OB floor and I was on uh-huh. call the first night. Yeah. And so the first night uh, of residency, I was delivering a baby and the resident wow. had me do it. Um, and that was, you know, uh. That was a different. I realized, okay, this is going to be different. This is yeah. This is a completely different world. Yeah, Um, but you know, I knew stuff by then. Um, I'd learned it once in first year medical school. I'd learned it again in second year. I learned it for the boards. I learned it in third year. Didn't really learn it for the uh, for my uh, electives. But then you have, I think you have boards again. Uh, like yeah. part two of the boards. And I think, so I, I think I learned that. Again again. Yeah. Yeah. So then you learn it again. There. And so this is, this is why that system works is because the important stuff 
you learn over and over and over and over again until it really does kind of stick. Um, but, but residency was a great experience, um, where you spend a lot of time teaching, learning, you split it up, you know, I'll teach you this, you, you look this up and you teach me that. Um, that was a a lot of fun in your program, by the way. So this was a fairly, it's thought of as being a large family practice. I mean, there were 13, um, residents, which was kind of nice because basically if you had four week rotations, you could have 13, four week rotations in a year. Right. right? And everybody just kind of moves to the next one. Um, so that worked out pretty well. And, and how long was right for you? So residency for family practice is a three-year program. So you have a year of internship, um, uh, and then and then you're an upper upper level resident, um, uh-huh. which means that you spend a little less time in the hospital, a little more time starting to learn to see patients in a clinic setting. Okay. So you kind of tr- transition from inpatient to outpatient over those yep. three years. Um, and Lancaster is pretty cool because there's a um, a Medicaid type clinic that um, that that you can have your own patient panel in. But then they also have a satellite clinic about six miles south, which is just in the middle of Amish country. And darned uh-huh. if you don't see Amish people there. Um, yeah. You know, you'll you'll see somebody who got kicked by a mule, and this is the only place, yeah. you know, for half an hour that they can come. And yeah. um, uh, so, so there's a, a wide variety of patients you can see. This was a great place to to be in residency. Gotcha. And so, so does family practice? Do you guys have a fellowship program, or is it after you finish your residency, you are trying to find where you could practice? So, residency, um, you can do fellowships. There are all sorts of fellowships. You can do a fellowship in faculty development, right? So that you can then okay. learn to teach in a residency program. You can do one right. in sports medicine or geri- uh, uh, geriatrics. Um, none of those really spoke to me. I think I just wanted to get out and start practicing. Um, and this is because, uh, oh, this is sort of trivia, I guess. Lancaster's program was the first family practice residency in the country. Um, oh. That's been 50 years. Yeah. But because of that, a lot of the uh, maybe a third of the graduates from this program every year settle in the area, and okay. this is an area that is just rich in family practice. Everybody yeah. in the county has a family doctor. Okay, and I guess that's not true all the way across the country uh, in right. cities and things. Not everybody has a family doctor. Well, they do here, and so um, there was a practice that in my third year kind of reached out and recruited me. And they said, hey, we have a practice where we are all kind of devoted to families. Uh, You know, our families, we don't like to work. We like to work hard when we're here, but we also like to, you know, be off. Um, Yeah. So here's, here's our pitch. You can work for us for three full days and one evening every week. And that's it. And then, Here's what we'll pay you. And it was competitive. And yeah. um, 
you know, the rest of the time you can figure out something else that you like to do with your life, but you can be with your family. And at that point we had two babies mm-hmm. uh, and that sounded awesome. So yeah. I, I joined that, I joined that practice and I'm, and I'm still there. Um, and it turned out to be a, a really cool practice in a little town outside Lancaster that has a, a college in it. So uh-huh. we get, we do get, we get some students, we get all the faculty members, we get, we have white collar folks, we have blue collar folks, we have a lot of farmers. We don't yep. have that many Amish folks, which is maybe a disappointment, but um, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. But it's, it's a great place to practice and, um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I, I gotta say, I think, you know, now that I'm, now that I'm doing, when I got into practice, what I liked the most was solving problems. Yep. Like, and, um, most of the time you can do that. You know, most medical yep. problems are there to be solved and that's cool. Yep. And I like that. It makes me feel smart. Um, okay. And and it's even better that it helps people, right? So I, th- I thought that was cool. But you know what I realized was through residency, when you start being a resident, you learn a lot. And then as you're an upper-level resident, you teach a lot, right? And and it may not be something that you knew at the beginning of the day, but by the end of the day, you know it, so you teach it. And what yeah. I found was I really like teaching my patients. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot they don't know. Um what I later found out was there's a lot they probably don't need to know. Um, yeah. But they, they don't need to know the theoretical reason why this antibiotic might be better than the other one. <laughs> gotcha. But, but, um, but some of them still really like to learn. And so I think what I like about what I do is, was initially the problem solving and then it was the teaching and as time has gone on, and I've now been in this practice for 21 years, what I realize that I like, because honestly, you, you don't ever stop learning, but you, you know about 90% of what you're seeing every day. Like you've seen something like it, and you can take a reasonable guess at it. So it's right. not this, the problem solving every day that gets me. It's the, it, it has turned out to be what I hoped it would be when I went into um, family medicine. It's the relationships with the patients, the long-term relationship that you develop. And you, you know, you knew their parents and then you took care of their parents before they died. And um, now you know them and you know that their kid has a problem, uh, you know, with opioids, um, but they're doing okay right now. And they actually have a family and they're bringing their kids to see you. And it's, you know, that is so gratifying that a lot of the people that walk through the door are friends now and they know me and they ask them and, and, you know, we don't talk about my kids all the time, but they ask. And sometimes they'll have met one of them because they happen to have yeah. been there when they were there. <laughs> the, yeah. And, and you've built those connections over time with those people. Yeah. And so that's been fun. Um, that's and the other thing that happened to me, medically was that I got involved in electronic uh, medical records. So the IT side of things, okay. um, everybody went, well, we owned our own 
practice. We were not employed 15 or 20 years ago. And we had a couple of different uh, we, we, it was a it was a bunch of independent practices together, and we they encouraged you to join a committee, you know, to be a part of the governance of the, our our group. And so I thought, ah, eh, you know, I like computers. These are old guys; they don't know computers, but I know computers. Yeah. Um, so I got involved in that, and then right as I joined that committee, they said, "Hey, we're going to develop. We're going to we need to purchase an electronic medical record because everybody's going to medical records." Um, electronically. So, so I did. And, um, after we picked the one that we were going to buy, we needed somebody to figure out how to set it up and somebody to teach our colleagues how to do it. Um, and I thought the job would probably end there. Um, and then it didn't. And now you have to figure out, um, how to satisfy the new Medicare requirements for, um, you know, their quality programs and there's, it just, it doesn't stop. So I, I actually spend about 10 hours a week, um, doing that, um, with another doctor, uh, colleague. And, um, I really, I love that. Uh, I, I had no idea that I would ever like that. It didn't exist when I went to medical school, you know, um, uh, but it gives me a chance to have like small group um, problem solving sessions. We can use our creativity um, yeah. and then I can help my colleagues kind of figure out the most efficient way to do something and the best way to support them and, you know, trying to nudge them toward doing the right thing with their patients. There's a lot that goes into it. And I've really enjoyed that uh, as well. But that was a surprise. I never expected um, you know, that would be uh, 25% of my time um, right. in, in medicine. Uh, this conversation has been awesome. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I just have one last question. Um, sure. Is there something that, I guess it can be either one, but is there something that you wish, if you could go back in time and tell yourself as you're, going into medical school and kind of starting that, is there anything you wish you could tell yourself or is there something you feel like medical school should teach people that should be, you know, taught and that you should learn about that? I was shy. Um, I was really shy. And at first when I was seeing patients, I would pretend to be a doctor. Okay. I would adopt this, you know, I, I think I look young. I always looked young. I always felt insecure about how long, young I looked. So I would kind of adopt this like official, you know, serious, um, uh, you know, persona. And right. what I wish I had known back then was that people really just want to know. They just want to know that you're listening. Um, yeah. And, and you don't need to impress them. Um, and if you don't know something, it's okay to say you don't know and that you'll find out. Um, yep. And that they don't expect you to be perfect. Um, so I think I'd take some of the pressure off of myself to perform and be, um, uh, you know, a, a, the perfect all-knowing doctor uh, at first. Right. I think that's really, yeah. really important. I definitely agree. It's like being who you are as a person when you're meeting with patients and just showing them what you're like. Absolutely. 
Yeah, patients don't um, need an authoritarian these days. They don't need, you know, a, a paternalistic whatever. What they need is somebody who will guide them through what is often a scary and bewildering, you know, um, situation. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need to be their friend. You're not their friend per se, um, but it's okay for you to be a person and to acknowledge their humanity and your own humanity. Um, and I, I think that, you know, most medical schools probably, you know, do some job of teaching that kind of those interpersonal skills. Um, yeah. You know, the, the stuff that, that I use every day from my psych years. Um, but, um, I, I think the, the thing that I never, that I didn't learn that much when I was there was the landscape of financial reimbursement. I mean, it's hard, it's complicated. And as a doctor, you need to know, you know, like, oh, that comes from, Oh, people have Medicare and then they also have a different insurance. And yeah. um, that's important to patients. It's really yeah. important to patients. You know, yeah. what, what, they're, uh, what they're having to shell out of their pockets to, to pay to do, you know, what you're telling them to do, um, that really matters. And being able to yeah. see it from their perspective financially, I think it's really, really helpful. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that's definitely, that's a really good point. Just showing them that you are seeing their side of things and you're there to help. And, you know, like as a 20, 25-year-old person, you have never really had to negotiate that, right? Yeah. We hardly ever, as a young health, most people are healthy. You know, you you don't need to, even if you're not healthy, I don't know, maybe your parents are helping to, you know, kind of sort that out for you. People to help you. Right. So as far as we know, you know, we're just kind of like, yeah, no, no. We'll order this, 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 and you'll probably do it. And yeah. um, it's not always that easy for patients. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, Dr. Emmert, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much again for um, talking with me tonight. You are so welcome. Thank you for asking questions and listening patiently. <laughs> of course. I I love these conversations. I look forward to them so much because I feel like it gives me such a better idea of what I can expect from where I'm, where I want to go in life, things that might be challenging. And I feel like there is this rhetoric of kind of the perfect journey into medicine and into becoming a doctor. And I feel like I hear that sometimes when I'm in college. And so I started this podcast just as a way to show myself and hopefully show others that there's, there are so many different ways that you can get into medicine and get to become a doctor. And every single one is great in its own way. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, we're all different, and we all will approach um, medicine and then our patients in a in a completely unique way. So be yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maggie. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.